Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. What is happening in Minneapolis? America's on trial. The death of George Floyd. Unreasonable force of Mr. George Floyd. I can't breathe! The world is watching. This crisis at the southern border. It's the Biden border crisis. Total chaos. Children are packed together. I will commit to transparency. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views, and uh, it's Easter week. Can you believe it? It's finally here. The uh, pollen is out, and uh, it's, eh, it's going to be a decent week. A little cooler. Rain coming on a Wednesday, but uh, hey, I love this time of year, except for the pollen. Uh, sad story, though, out of Wayne County. Wayne County authorities say the search uh, for that little five-year-old boy, Braylon Holman, Apparently, they found the body of the five-year-old in the Noose River today. The boy and his father, Sterling Holman, have been missing since Wednesday night when the five-year-old fell off of a Goldsboro boat, boat ramp while fishing with his dad. The father jumped in to save him. The search uh, resumed this morning, and again, the uh, little boy was found. No word on uh, the location of the dad. So, unfortunately, as we uh, many had thought— didn't have a, a happy ending. Uh, the press is really drilling down hard now on Joe Biden. Uh, apparently the honeymoon is over in an earth-shaking Q&A between the president and the mainstream media. A reporter questioned Joe Biden about what he gave up for Lent. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So, and Joe Biden, he's been in office since... January the 21st, right? Apparently, he's gone home to Wilmington, Delaware, I think seven times, seven weekends he goes home. Now, you can drive in car from Wilmington, Delaware to Washington, D.C., three hours tops. He could take the uh, Marine One helicopter home and get there probably in about 40 minutes. He flies the 747, though, from Washington, D.C., to uh, Wilmington, Delaware. I mean, by the time you get the wheels up, you got to put them back down to land again. So anyway, Joe's coming back from Wilmington, Delaware, Sunday night, and a reporter questioned Cousin Eddie about what he gave up for Lent. Tough question. Biden uh, said, well, uh, I gave up sweets for Lent. And you have no idea how hard it was for me. Then the follow-up question, which was very intense, what's the first sweet you're looking to have when Lent is over? The president said, ice cream. You know, it doesn't get any tougher than that. I mean, this mainstream media, the honeymoon is obviously over. They're going to get serious now with the uh, Q&A with Joe Biden. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unstinking believable. D- did Donald Trump ever have such idiotic questions. I mean, it is a, it is an idiotic question with all the things you can be talking about. Tom Tillis, the junior senator from North Carolina, about to be the senior senator, will undergo uh, prostate cancer surgery. 
Tillis, 60 years old, made the announcement in a written statement earlier today saying that his prognosis is good. Next week, I'll have surgery in North Carolina to treat prostate cancer. I'm in the hands of outstanding medical professionals and expect to make a full recovery, said. I'm blessed that my cancer was detected relatively early. I can't emphasize enough how important routine screenings are, regardless of how healthy you think you are. I had no symptoms, and I would never have imagined I had cancer. My prognosis is good because I went to my annual physical and received a PSA test which led to a biopsy and eventually my diagnosis. Early detection can truly save lives, he concluded. Prostate cancer is the second leading cause of cancer death in American men, only behind uh, lung cancer, according to the American Cancer Society. But, you know, what they say, if you you live old enough as a male, now I'm not a doctor, I just want to have heard, chances are, you'll have some level of prostate cancer because it's it's fairly common. But most people, uh, well, uh, my father-in-law lived to be 96. I think he was probably in his early 70s when he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. It's slow, For the most part, it's very slow growing. But, hey, I'm not a doctor. Go get your physical. The News and Observer is reporting a group that opposes uh, Donald Trump They're dialing up pressure on GOP lawmakers who objected to the certification of the 2020 presidential election results, including first-term North Carolina Representative Madison Cawthorn. The Republican Accountability Project—by the way, there's nothing Republican about this accountability project. They're spending a million dollars in a new round of TV and digital ads criticizing six GOP members of Congress. The group says encouraged a deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th. In addition to Cawthorn, the ads target Kevin McCarthy, California, Marjorie Taylor Green of Georgia, Matt Gates of Florida, Louis Gohmert of Texas, Mo Brooks of Alabama. By the way, Mo Brooks has uh, declared he's going to run for the uh, open U.S. Senate seat in Alabama. I think he's got a good chance of winning. Uh, quite frankly, Madison Cawthorn, as a freshman member of Congress, being mentioned in the same sentence with those others, I would wear this as a badge of honor. Andrew Cuomo. Uh, Andrew, stick a fork in him, Cuomo. A ninth woman has stepped forward accusing Cuomo of sexual misconduct. The accuser, 55-year-old Sherry Ville, said Cuomo grabbed her face and kissed her cheeks in front of her home in 2017. Quote, she said, I know the difference between an innocent gesture and a sexual one. She said this during a press conference earlier today, according to the Democrat and Chronicle. Quote, I never felt as uncomfortable as I did the day Cuomo came to my house. His actions were very overtly sexual, highly inappropriate and disrespectful to me and my family. While was married at the time of the alleged incident, Cuomo visited Ville's home in Greece, New York, to survey flood damage, according to the Wall Street Journal. Ville also provided what appeared to be an image of Cuomo smooching with Ville, or smooching Ville, I should say. I don't think she was responding. That was captured that day in 2017. Cuomo faces a number of sexual harassment allegations, starting with a former aide, Lindsay Bolin who alleged the governor attempted to kiss her in his office, which he has denied. 
Cuomo has said he never touched anyone inappropriately, including the woman who apparently he grabbed her bosom. And uh, anyway, I think Cuomo is uh, done. Will he, uh, will he finally just give up and throw in the towel? I, I, you know, I don't know that he will. I think he very well might just hang in there and uh, hope these all go away, but uh, doesn't look like it. The, and granted, it is making news. But can you imagine how this would be the nightly headline, night after night? Uh, not not just a mention of it, but, I mean, there would be the majority of the evening news in the mainstream media would be featuring this. The majority of the newscasts would be, would be pushing Cuomo to get out of office if he was a conservative Republican. So the news out of uh, Minnesota, Fox News is reporting opening statements were made in the uh, trial of Derek Chauvin, the uh, Minnesota police officer, just before 9.40 a.m. Central Time, Prosecutor Jerry Blackwell began delivering his opening statements before jurors and uh, also people watching via the live stream. The uh, defense attorney, Eric Nelson, delivered his opening statement after that. Quote, you will learn that on May the 25th, 2020, This police officer portrayed his badge when he used excessive and unreasonable force upon the body of Mr. George Floyd, that he put his knee upon the neck and his back, grinding and crushing him until every breath was extinguished. Um, You know, I think one of the damning witnesses to this police officer is apparently there was a city fire department employee shouting at the police officer to check Floyd's pulse. The prosecutor said that bystander witness uh, would include this first responder who wanted to administer aid, and apparently this police officer pointed mace at her. Investigators interviewed nearly 200 civilian witnesses in the case and over 50 members of the Minnesota Minneapolis Police Department, including the officers who responded to the scene after Floyd was brought to the hospital. Um, and again, I, I, I have no inside knowledge of this. But if this is true, and they can prove that it was true, it's pretty damning evidence that... Um, Good sense was not used if this is true. Okay, now I realize, you know, before you start calling me, I, I realize that, uh, you know, he had way over the legal amount of fentanyl in his system. Well, fentanyl's not legal at all, but uh, uh, way over the lethal amount of fentanyl in his system. I mean, he, he shouldn't have been alive to begin with, according to uh, the amount of fentanyl he had in his system. So, I mean, I I realize that's part of it, and I'm sure the defense will bring that up clearly. Breitbart is reporting, and now this is really interesting, because remember that down in Georgia, there are, well, every Democrat in the nation right now is going bonkers over this new Georgia law that Brian Kemp signed into uh, into law in the state of Georgia concerning election integrity. 
Joe Biden has attacked it. Cher. By the way, did you know that Cher has dyed her hair red? <laughs> Not looking good these days. <laughs> I, I never thought Cher was a uh, knockout to begin with, but she's got to be what? She's got to be in her 80s. With dyed red hair, not looking, not looking too good. But I digress. So Cher is. I come out and say, "Oh, no, she got to be older than that. Seventy-four. All right. Well, she'll be she'll be twenty uh, seventy-five this year. All right. She still doesn't look good. Um, Joe Biden is attacking this law. Cher is attacking this law. Calling. You know, any all the Republicans in Georgia, they're just racist bigots. Some of these voter suppression laws in Georgia and other Republican states smack of Jim Crow rearing its ugly head. Once again, it is 160 years since the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments abolished slavery, and Jim Crow still seems to be with us, said Chucky the Clown Schumer uh, during a Wednesday uh, Senate Rules Administration Committee hearing on the for the People Act, what a joke! Don't you? Lo- uh, I, I say this facetiously. Don't you love the way liberals name their legislation, how they name their activist groups, like Planned Parenthood, the For the People Act? I mean, if if we really had truth in advertising, it would be the For the Democratic Party Reelect Me Act. <laughs> yeah, 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 you cackling. Uh, Elizabeth Warren and the president later echoed Chucky's sentiments during this first press conference of his presidency Thursday. Biden described the state election integrity efforts as un-American and sick. They concluded that it makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. And I have yet to hear how that comment makes any sense. Uh, He later targeted Georgia's election integrity efforts, specifically describing them as un-American. Denying people the right to vote. This is Jim Crow in the 25th, 21st century. It must end. We must have a moral and constitutional obligation to act. I, I mean, this Georgia law is following in the footsteps of the Constitution. It actually... The Georgia law supports the Constitution. I mean, it follows the Constitution. Heritage Action described Biden's attack as misleading. His attacks are not supported by the facts. Georgia's election reforms actually expand voting opportunities, extend early voting hours, reduce wait times in promoting trust in the state's election uh, system. Uh, This from um, the the Heritage Action noting that over 80% of Americans support these common-sense measures to protect our election and uphold a fair, transparent voting process. Every voter has the right to trust their vote will be counted. Groups opposing these voter protections are actually sowing mistrust and suppressing Georgia votes. Georgia reforms increase voter confidence and should be the example for every state on how to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. Every state should follow their lead says Heritage Action. Bingo. There is a new survey out from Honest Elections Projects. Now, again, all these, and by the way, I mean, what Georgia did is basic common sense stuff. Okay, we're not going to allow harvest ballot harvesting. 
We're not going to allow these unmanned drop boxes. You're going to have to have voter identification. Uh, We're going to cut off counting the votes in a reasonable time frame. Uh, You're going to have to prove you are who you are to get an absentee ballot, and you can't get an absentee ballot for just any reason. And again, could we please have some personal responsibility required of the voter? And again, as I said on Friday, the race baiters like Al Sharpton, who come out and say, this is Jim Crow, this is racist, you are racist because you are saying that black Americans don't have the wherewithal to do the same thing that white Americans do. How racist is that? In this survey from Honest Elections Project, a majority of registered voters, including a majority of black and Hispanic voters, overwhelmingly support voter ID, a key election integrity measure. This, again, from Honest Elections Project, their action survey. Jason Sneed, the executive director, sent a memo to members of Congress ahead of Wednesday's Senate Rules Committee hearing on H.R. 1, again, the For the People's Act, which would essentially federalize U.S. elections, stripping states of their ability to implement basic election integrity measures, such as voter ID, by micromanaging the election process. Contrary to the Democratic Party narrative, Sneed's memo reveals that a majority of voters, including a majority of black and Hispanic voters, support basic election integrity measures such as voter ID, which Democrats routinely describe as a form of voter suppression. It's propaganda, folks. It's garbage. 77% of registered voters across the board favor requiring individuals to show an ID before casting a ballot, compared to 15% who oppose the idea. Again, you have, you have IDs for—you cannot live this life without an ID. I mean, if you're in the nut house. Okay, yeah, is that caustic? No, I don't think so. If you're in a mental institution, maybe you don't have a voter ID, but everybody else does if you're an adult out in this world. Notably, a majority of voters who supported Biden in 2020 also backed election ID requirements by a 38-point margin, 62% to 24%. Did you hear that? A majority of voters, this according to the survey, who supported Biden in 2020 back an ID requirement, 62% to 24%. The survey also found that over three-quarters of low-income voters reject the notion of showing an ID is a burden, despite frequent claims from the left. They're, and again, can they come up with something other than racism? No matter what the issue is, if a Republican is for it and they're against it, no matter what the issue is, it's because the Republicans are racist. I mean, if the debate was over whether or not the post office should deliver mail on Fridays, if the Republicans said no, it's because the Republicans are racist. (laughs) Oh. The act would invert that constitutional structure, commandeer state resources, confuse and muddle election procedures. This is talking about H.R. 1. 
and erode faith in our elections and systems of governance. This was written in a letter from the attorney generals that went out last week. Twice-failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton is amongst progressives urging the Senate to pass H.R. 1, describing it as a once-in-a-generation opportunity. Yeah, it's a once-in-a-generation opportunity for the Democrats to basically become an oligarchy, to basically never lose another election. I mean, this is so bad. Why don't they just pass a piece of legislation that says you've got to be a liberal, progressive Democrat to hold office? They might as well. Just go ahead and pass that. We got to take a timeout. Lots more to talk about. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 29 minutes past the top of the hour. Today is, uh, well, in, in honor of Joe Biden, it's National Smoke and Mirrors Day. And then uh, the national holiday for Joe Biden comes up in three days. That would be April Fool's Day. Come on, man. <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe. What are we talking about? <laughs> You have no idea, do you? Um, <laughs> taking a look at your weather forecast for tonight is going to get chilly. We're going to get down into the 30s tonight, low around 39, clear skies. Tomorrow should be nice, sunny with a high near 72. Tomorrow night, a slight chance of showers, low in the upper 50s. Wednesday, showers and thunderstorms possible in the afternoon with a high near 76. And a Wednesday night, showers possible and a thunderstorm, low around 46. The... Um, Outlook for the weekend, lots of sunshine, cool on Good Friday. High is only going to be around 50 on Good Friday. Saturday, we will be looking at uh, 60 degrees with sunshine. Easter Sunday, 70 degrees with sunshine. So good looking Easter Sunday. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. And by the way, the uh, golf course is really looking great. All the uh, bunkers have been redone and uh, the grass is coming in. It is the time to get out there and play. Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. For a limited time, join Ironwood, pay zero initiation fees. Call 252-752-4653. Find out what makes Ironwood the best of Greenville. 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best Ironwood Golf and Country Club. And again... Right now, no initiation fees. The Epic Times is reporting that Baltimore has decided to permanently end prosecution of, quote, low-level crimes like prostitution. <laughs> this is unbelievable. The city of Baltimore is permanently in, and by the way, as my old hometown, uh, I don't, I don't claim that too much anymore. The city of Baltimore is permanently ending the prosecution of crimes described as low-level and nonviolent, including prostitution and drug possession. Officials late last week said the adoption comes after a one-year period of trying the criminal justice approach, which they say was successful, as crimes across the board decreased. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, this is a joke. Uh, they, they decrease because you said they're no longer crimes. It's not because people change their behavior. Clearly, the data suggests that there is no public safety valve in prosecuting, uh, I'm sorry, no public safety value in prosecuting these low-level offensive. Marilyn Mosby, uh, this is the same woman who falsely accused police officers of homicide in the notorious Freddie Gray fiasco. Remember that? Marilyn Mosby, a Democrat who serves as the state attorney for Baltimore, told reporters, again, clearly the data suggests there is no public safety value in prosecuting these low-level offenses. Including in these are trespassing, urinating in public, drug possession, and prostitution. (laughs) Oh, it's no big deal. If I break into somebody's property, if I trespass in somebody's property, that's no big deal. Since the uh, overall population of prisoners in Baltimore is down 18%, while Baltimore experienced a reduction in crime in many areas, such as 20% drop in violent crime, a 36% decrease in property crime, according to data from the uh, Public Safety and uh, Correctional Services. You know, bragging about lowering the crime rate by saying that crimes are no longer crimes is like these countries that have aborted 100% of babies who might have Down syndrome saying, hey, look, look at all the medical advances we've made in our country. We've eliminated Down syndrome. This is unbelievable. Officials say they have seen a spike in some crimes in the city in recent weeks, including 31% increase in violent crimes related to domestic violence. That's since the beginning of this year. Baltimore has also struggled for decades with heightened violence. They've seen eight shootings in the 24 hours leading to the press conference that declared how wonderful the crime rate is. So, I mean, what's the big deal? Simply, you want to get rid of violence, domestic violence, the crime of domestic violence? Just say it's no longer a crime. Hey, that'll get rid of it. 561-8255. Let's get the phones. We have Rhonda on the line. Oh, Rhonda's gone. Rhonda. No, I'm here. Hi. (laughs) Hey, Rhonda. How are you, ma'am? Hi, Rhonda. I'm good. I just wanted to share. People can say it's anecdotal or whatever, but I wanted to share a personal experience. A week ago, I had to go to Southwest Florida for a funeral. When I checked in to my hotel, they asked to see a picture ID, and I thought I'd be a jerk, I guess, and say, well, I don't really have one. Will that make a difference? And the clerk told me, under no circumstance will you be allowed to stay at the Holiday Inn Express if you don't have a picture ID. Wow. Okay? Now, I traveled on an airplane. I did have a picture ID, but I just wanted to get a reaction. So I traveled on an airplane, and throughout the airport, there were announcements and placards and all sorts of things telling everybody, you must wear a mask. It has to be an approved mask. It can't be a gator. It can't be a scarf. If you don't have one, we'll give you one. Take your mask off, and you will be subject to federal criminal prosecution, and you may never travel by air again. Well, let me go to what's going on right now. Um, It's my understanding that the federal government has booked all sorts of hotel rooms for people who are not citizens of the United States. So I yep. guess they're going to have to shut 
their photo IDs when they check in at the hotel, right? Now, so it was a Holiday Inn Express, I guess they will. Well, I guess so. And so now uh, I saw some pictures that I guess were photo ops taken of a 28-year-old, maybe Honduran woman with her three-year-old son who are traveling on an airplane uh, to your favorite place, Baltimore. And they were doing photo ops with a little boy looking out the window with no mask on, and they were sitting in airports with their masks off. Now, um, I'm feeling a little bit discriminated against. Big time. (laughs) I hear you. I just thought I would share that with you because the hypocrisy is over the top. It is over the top, and it is totally infuriating. And listen, right now, the CDC came out today and said, "How uh-oh, we think there's a fourth wave of COVID coming. You, you better get ready to lock down. And of course, Anthony Fauci came out today and said how uh, children, when they're playing together, they need to wear their masks, even small little toddlers, which, <laughs> I mean, again, Duke and Carolina both came out with this study saying, you know, there's no transmission between kids to kids or kids to adults. But Anthony Fauci says you, the kids, if they're out there playing, they need to wear their masks. Uh, although, well, it, up, I, think, I think COVID will be over the day after the 2022 November election. So cheer up. Well, we're approaching the finish. I tell you what, uh, it, it, but it, it's so frustrating. And listen, the, the bottom line is, I, and, and there's another doctor out of. Uh, um, Johns Hopkins today. Uh, in fact, I, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, Marty Markley uh, c- came out and said, listen, herd immunity is going to be here by the end of April, and it's going to be a done deal. And this guy's a pretty sharp, you know, he's, he's a pretty sharp guy. Well, I wouldn't question Johns Hopkins and Anthony Fauci can't hold the candle to any of the doctors there, in my opinion. And the bottom line is I'm not wearing a mask for measles, mumps, and rubella. I took a smallpox vaccination as a child. Uh, I don't have a mask mask for whooping cough or tetanus or any of these other things. So give it up, folks. Well, I think think the reason why, I think the reason why they are wanting to come out and and say, you know, it's not not done yet, and they want to, and the CDC's coming, oh, we've got a fourth wave, is I really think they are pushing and pushing hard. Everybody's got to have the vaccination. And listen, again, uh, I, I've, said, I've said this over and over again. Uh, I've got doctor friends who said they're not going to get it. And they, they think, okay, it might stop COVID now, but what is it going to do to you 12 years from now? That's the big question. Now, well, I think. I took the Johnson & Johnson because it is based on adenovirus 26, right. which is kind of the traditional way of making uh, viruses. But I refuse to take the RNA vaccine. Well, and listen, I don't have any argument people want to take it. I mean, that's, that's, that's their decision. Either. But when, when the government comes out and begins to force, and by the way, Rutgers University came out today and said, students, if you want to come back to campus next year, you've got to have the virus. I mean, you've got to have the vaccine. Um, well, now here's the thing. What, what if you have had the virus? The, 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 there is no proof that having the virus is any less of an immunity from COVID than getting the vaccine. Uh, to me, if you can prove that, yeah, I've had it, shouldn't that count as well as having the vaccine? I think it should. 
Hey, Rhonda, good to hear well, from I... you. Uh, we got to take a time out. Stay with us. News and views. We'll be right back. Yes, sir. I'll get right to the point. Constant radical left propaganda. I myself get sick of it. And social injustice wokeness. I really don't understand why these corporations feel like they need to submit to woke culture. Be thankful that there's one place conservative values. All we want is freedom and liberties and less government. They're still valued. But it's not just on an American scale. I'm talking about the fight for our freedom. Conservatism is being attacked everywhere. News and views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in 17 minutes before the top of the hour. You know, that's the other thing that's so irritating about this administration is, you know, they, they want to scare the bejubies out of you in terms of COVID. And yet the Biden administration is just, come on in, come on in illegal immigrants. You got COVID. We don't care. Come on in. We're not going to test you. Just come on in. And I mean, have you seen the pictures over the weekend? Did you see the, uh, the Ted Cruz went down to the border and he started to take pictures of these people crammed together on top, literally on top of one another. And, you know, there's a certain percentage of them that uh, have been, they, they know are positive for COVID and they're just all jammed in there together. And a young lady working for the Biden administration gets right in front of Ted Cruz, who's videotaping with his iPhone and says, please do, do please do not, you know, don't, don't embarrass these people. You know, don't don't denigrate these people. Don't don't do this to these poor people. It's like wait, wait, I, I'm just recording what you were doing to these poor people. Five six one eight two five five. Who we got? Craig, welcome in. Hey Tom, thanks for having me on here. Um, I'll make it brief. I know you're pushing for time, but I've had COVID and I've had the vaccine, and I still have to wear a mask, and that makes no sense whatsoever. And, you know, it, 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 I don't understand it, but if you think the masks are bad now, wait till the summer rolls around. You got that big cloth thing over your face when it's 95 degrees. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I do go a lot of places though. And, uh, where supposedly you're supposed to be wearing masks. I'm, I'm noting that more and more people are uh, saying, no, I don't think so. And again, you know what? I, here's the thing. If, if it's a private enterprise, and they've got a sign on the door that said, you're not allowed to come in here unless you're wearing a red shirt. I'll say, well, okay, I'll either put a red shirt on or I won't go in. But because that's a right. private enterprise. I, I don't have any problem with that. I mean, if they say, if you want to come into my, my private enterprise, my store, whatever, you got to wear a mask. I'm saying, okay, I've got a choice. I don't have to go in and I don't have to wear a mask or I can go in and I can wear a mask. So that part doesn't bother me, but when the when the government comes out and mandates that you have to do it, and you know, and Biden came out today and said, "I'm really encouraging governors to make sure that uh, their states it's that it's mandated that you wear a mask." Uh, that's gone too far. Well, I work I work for Uncle Sam, so they're making there, it wear yeah, a mask yeah. the There you go. So okay. I hear you. Thanks, Greg. Five six one eight two five five. Louis, is it? Hey, Louie. Hey, bud. Look, I'm calling about this um, Equality Act, the H.R. 5. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody knows what this is about. The transgender, it's supposed to be yeah. the transgender bill. Yeah, it's very uh, dangerous. I want, right. I want everybody to know and realize that this bill is targeting our children, starting in kindergarten. Yeah. Bringing this stuff into the kindergarten classes, and, and, uh, and, and the, way, the way that they're doing it, 
is they're, they're taking out the Dr. Seuss books, they're bringing in transgender ideology books that teach our kids that they might not be in the body that they're supposed to be into, which in reality will pull our kids away from God, telling them that God don't know what he's doing. Well, it but, does that, and it also uh, will give basically all kinds of civil rights um, based upon your sexual preference, not upon your nationality, your your race, or your religious beliefs. But uh, if you're if you're a transgender, you cannot you cannot be discriminated against any more than you could discriminate against against somebody because of their race. And uh, you well, know, see, I, that's the whole thing. The the whole thing is they already got right. Oh, absolutely, uh, civil absolutely. rights protected. So that's why this bill didn't make no sense. But when you look at it. And see that it's targeting our children, and that's what the whole plan is. Like I said, they're taking this stuff into the kindergarten classes. The teacher kid, and then the way they got it is, is at four years old, they're going to start giving them social transitioning, which is going to start in the kindergarten classes. Okay, if your child decides that they ain't in the body that they think they're supposed to be in, well, they'll start your child on on that social transitioning. And then at nine years old, they got them set for puberty blockers. At 14 years old, they're going to give them sex hormone treatments. And by, and by 18 years old, they want to have the sex change. They want your child to have the sex change. And they're taking the parental decision rights out of it by the, letting the child make the decision of what they want to do with their lives. And courts, certain courts have took people's uh parental rights away because they didn't uh, no, no, you're, 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 Louis, Louis, you're right, and uh, it's even worse in other countries. Up in Canada, it's really bad, and, and, and there are courts in Canada that have told uh, – there's one story where the court up there told the father, you have no say-so in how we're going to treat – I think it was the daughter that thought she was a little boy – and uh, the, I mean, she, this is a minor. This is like a twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old child, and the court she she wants to have you know the testosterone shots, and uh, you know who knows what kind of mutilation surgery she'll want to have. But you're right, and it's coming. And by the way, there's a story I was looking for in my pile of stories. I don't see it, but Nickelodeon is rebooting a series that is aimed at two and three-year-olds and uh this series will feature a, now it's not going to be so blatant as they're going to come out and say things like uh okay you don't know your little girl you don't know your little bo- uh, boy but it's going to have a lot of subtle um uh, uh, uh suggestions towards that end i mean they'll have the gay pride flag up there they'll have a transgender flag up there they'll you know, it'll be a little bunny rabbit that says, I don't know if I'm a little boy or a little girl bunny rabbit. I mean, it's parents. Um, what Louis said, he's absolutely right. You got to watch what your kids watch like a hawk. The days of turning on Nickelodeon and letting your kids watch Gilligan's Island, it's long gone. It's long gone. Five six one eight two five. I tell you, we got to take that other time out. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to your phone call. I think it's Dwayne or Wayne on the line. Wayne, we'll get to your call. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
in a show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all-powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So as the immigration mess at the southern border gets more and more out of hand, Kamala Harris remains silent. In fact, they can't find her. There is actually some people in the media that's saying, where's Waldo? I mean, where's Kamala? Uh, will you go to the border? Here's what she had to say. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this cackling. 561-8255. Let's go to Wayne. Hey, Wayne. Thanks for waiting. Hey, brother. Got a question. Where is all these kids and all these people going to the bathroom? You know, uh, I don't know if you saw any of the stories over the weekend, and I, I don't want to make it gross or demeaning for the people that are in there, but apparently it, it this sanitation is gets grade Z minus, and it, it stinks to high heaven. And there, anywhere they can find is the answer, Wayne. It is sad. It is inhumane. And what Joe Biden is doing in the and he is doing it under the banner of look how kind we are to these people. This is the most unkind thing in the world. And, you know, and right now the, the situation is if you want to get in, you've got to be accompanied by a child. I think I think the age is uh, eight and under or six and under. And so what are they doing? They're kidnapping children and they're bringing them up and say, oh, yeah, this is my child. I mean, the, this whole thing and, and you know, the, the the corruption with the coyotes, the incidents of uh, sexual assault on these kids, it's through the roof. And these the, the, the poor kids are being victimized. And yet Cousin Eddie and Kamala and Nancy and Chuckles the Clown Schumer are all strutting around like how wonderful we are. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. They're sick. I mean, Joe wants to call the things that the Republicans are trying to do that are constitutional sick. These people are sick. And and they do it all they do it all for their own benefit. They're doing it all so they'll what what they think is first of all they want chaos so they can redo the system. And then secondly, they're thinking they're going to vote for us because we'll offer them all kinds of free goodies. Vote for us and we'll give you free things. Hey, we got to run. Pray for our country. It's in trouble. We'll see you tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right. We now have uh, Senator Paul Newton on the line with us. Senator, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Tom Lamprecht and Benny Hardy are here. Actually, we have... Uh, uh, the uh, House member uh, Keith Kidwell's in the room with us as well. But uh, we want to talk to you this afternoon about, really about two things. We're going to focus on the Senate Elections Committee um, Kumbaya Fest with the uh, State Board of Elections Director Karen Brinson Bill. We also want to talk about your Elections Integrity Act. Um, how, how did that situation with the uh, State Board of Elections director, what was your feel of it? It sounded like it got pretty testy. Well, um, my sense of it was that it was helpful in understanding 
for the public to understand why the legislature, the, at least the the Republican-led legislature, the majority of us, were very, very, very concerned about um, some actions, some conduct undertaken by the um, by Director Brinson Bell after, uh, frankly, uh, the election process had begun. And the consequence of that, which was uh, eroding the public's confidence that their vote counted. They wondered whether their vote counted. And I can explain in detail, if you'd like, the, the conduct that we were concerned about. So we made that plain and we, we, we shone some light on what we thought was inappropriate uh, at that point in the election cycle. And it gave her an opportunity to express her sincerity around you know, what she thought she was trying to accomplish. She broke the law. I mean, pure and simple, she broke the law. Now, if I break well, the law, uh, I, I usually get in trouble. What are the ramifications of someone doing this? I mean, she broke the law. Well, it wasn't. It, it wasn't black and white. It, I mean, it wasn't gray. It was black and white. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Senator Rabin did a great job highlighting just that point uh, during that that hearing, and uh, you know, one of the things that was particularly illuminating is that um, she has uh, either deleted or, or certainly um, shut down her Twitter account. Uh, and you know, we've had a, a, a former director that lost their position because they were too partisan and it was very clear from their social media. We've asked, we asked her to, to if, if she would provide that social media um, history to us, and she refused to do that, uh, saying she didn't think it was relevant or was confused about the relevance of that. But it's clear we're dealing with a highly partisan um, director, and we saw manifest in her conduct that that partisanship, and it, it did erode confidence in the election uh, here in North Carolina. Uh, Senator Newton, this is Benny Hardy. Thank you for joining us. Um, what, are, what are the uh, just just the highlights of the Senate bill, uh, I think it's 326, the Election sure. Integrity Act. Sure. So, we uh, number one, we're going to ban third-party donations to the Board of Elections. Uh, this is sometimes colloquially now referred to as the Zuckerberg rule. <laughs> uh, private funds should not be flowing in to fund um, local boards of elections, even paying the salaries of those who are supposed to be monitoring election integrity, and uh, it just raises suspicions and certainly has the appearance of impropriety. So this is a uniquely governmental function should stay so. So no more third-party donations to board, boards of election. Next, we're going to require absentee ballots to be in by close of the business day on election day. Um, we were, we're among the first states in the nation to start voting, and we were among the last to deliver results to the people of North Carolina, and that is inappropriate. Um, and of course, the, the, the secret settlement that caused Brinson Bell to come before our oversight committee was in part related to that, in that she took what was in the law, the three days uh, following elections, and made it nine days. And that did, I, in my view, I believe you're correct, that violated the law. And um, we're going to fix that uh, going forward in this bill. Next, we're going to change the deadline for requesting absentee ballots to make it almost impossible
for postal delay to cause a ballot to be received late. That'd be 14 days um, time to request the ballot and, and get it back in. And again, that's the deadline. So in any election that has a federal component, you you have 60 days to request an absentee ballot. Right. And you don't have to have an excuse in North Carolina. Personal responsibility, please. Yeah. And, hey, and, and the current law is seven days um, for the absentee requests before Election Day. Is that correct? I believe that is correct. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were concerned uh about the postal service and make sure we were fair there so that that's why we're moving this to 14 days and so we got no excuses and there's no reason those can't be in by election day and then finally the final thing we would do is we would appropriate five million dollars for a mobile id unit so that all eligible voters can get the id they need to participate in future elections um i'm just uh, concerned that the argument has been a red herring for some time. That, <laughs> Thank you. You know, Thank it's unjust that there, uh, people can't don't have photo IDs. And I, you know, so much of our daily life requires having an ID. I, I guess it doesn't matter whether I believe that to be tr- true or not. This is going to take that issue off the table. We will come to anywhere people are to get their their photo ID taken. In fact, I'm told that. Um, DMV has about $4 million of trucks that they uh, ordered and have not been using, and we may put those to use under this bill. Let's get these IDs so we can live up to the people of North Carolina's request and and really their vote to change the Constitution to require a photo ID. So there should be no excuses anymore after this bill. We're talking to Senator Paul Newton. He represents uh, Cabarrus and Union Counties. Uh, uh, We're talking about the Elections Integrity Act. Senator... Uh, as we've already talked about, it, it appears that the director of the State Board of Elections, Brinson Bell, broke the law. Um, she had her Democrat accomplices. Uh, she had the help of Josh Stein. And, and, and the whole idea that you would have Mark Elias come in, who is a paid operative of the Democratic Party, to work with the director and Josh Stein, who's supposed to be representing the le- the laws of North Carolina, not creating new laws. So what they did was they, they broke the law. What is in this Elections Integrity Act that will prevent them from doing that again? I mean, if they did it once, is, is there some sort of heavy penalty that if this if anybody violates this law, that they're, they're going to be in serious, serious trouble? Well, I, I believe the conduct is sufficient for Brinson Bell to resign. I believe that when her Twitter account becomes public, if it ever does, the partisan uh, ship will be so apparent that she will need to resign. Uh, there's, there, there is no criminal penalty that exists today that I know of for the conduct that was undertaken, but I have uh, another bill that I believe was filed today uh, that will prohibit, uh, make illegal the collusive secret settlement that occurred, that it was the, uh, again, the, the the conduct we were asking uh, Director Bell about two days ago. Now, with this new bill that was filed today, would this just be specific to the conduct, or was is it going to be a broader bill that would cover multiple 
uh, illegalities uh, related to election law? Well, uh, the bill as written was was focused on the occurrence here. But as you know, I'm sure we're starting to see this become a strategy uh, where politically, ideologically aligned parties are getting together under the guise of a settlement and forcing the state uh, through that avenue to, to take actions that they could not get legislatively. So I would like to see a broad, a, a broad enough law to uh, attack, uh, to to remedy those issues. And as we sit here right now, I'll, uh, if this bill is not broad enough on the face that we've filed today, it'll no doubt be broadened. I believe will will PCS it to broaden it. Now, is there a um a bill over in the House similar to this, or will you all pass it and then send it over to the House? I, I suspect we'll pass it, send it over to the House. Whether there's a similar bill that's been filed in the House, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not able to track every bill filed sure. in the House before <laughs> that's it comes a, over to, that's to what Keith, Keith Kidwell just said that about 15 minutes ago. He can't track every bill in the Senate before it comes over to the House. Um, if if it and I'm sure it's going to pass the Senate, and I'm sure it would pass the House as well. Do you think any Democrats will come over and uh, give you a veto-proof majority? That's a great question. I mean, they need to make that decision. They need to examine, you know, election integrity in light of regardless of what, what party is in power. This is important for the state. Bingo. I mean, if I I, I hope I would be as outraged about our uh, Republicans doing what Brinson Bell did as I am about what the Democrats did. And, and you know, it's a strategy that they almost don't care, in my view. It doesn't matter whether it's lawful or not, because when it's an election season, the judicial system doesn't have a process that moves quickly enough to resolve it before people have already voted. And I will tell you, I mean, Brinson Bell refused to help the visually impaired and blind with their request to have some accommodations mm-hmm. and, and told the judge it was because voting was going to start in just a couple of weeks, so it's too late to make such changes. And then some three weeks later, <laughs> into the voting, she does this with Mark Elias. Unbelievable. Uh, it was, mm-hmm. It's incredible to me. Unbelievable. Senator Newton, I'm sure you were busy today in Raleigh and did not get a chance to uh, hear President Biden's press conference, if you want to call it that. But but he made some comments today that were were the same. uh, He's reading off the same sheet of music that North Carolina Democrats are reading off of. We talked about this before you came on with us. But, you know, talking about the actions in the states throughout the United States and comparing them to Jim Crow era and, you know, not not a – not one challenge question on that from a press conference. I know you can't do anything in the in general assembly, but I think the Republicans and just people that care about the constitution in North Carolina needs, needs to do an ad campaign to let the people know what's going on, what is happening, not only in Washington, but in Raleigh of how the Democrats are trying to circumvent the laws that that's in the constitution of how elections are supposed to be ran. I, I mean, you're, you're behind the eight ball with the press because the press is not honest about it on the federal level or at the state level. Well, listen, Republicans need to stiffen their spines. We need to get over the fact that we're going to be called names 
uh, we're going to be called names. That's that's part of the playbook. And it, uh, in my mind, it sort of used to work. I don't care what they call me. We Thank you. Thank you. For, we are going to stand for fair, free, uh, reliable elections in this state. And uh, the voters deserve that. I mean, uh, we need to have confidence in the outcome regardless of who wins. And when you erode the process to the point that it doesn't matter who wins, nobody has confidence in the process, it's part, part of the degradation of the fabric of our society. Senator, you're singing our song. I, I, I Just this week, I said that very thing, that Republicans have got to set aside the worry about being called racist. It's going to happen. They've played that thing. It's tired. It's old. It doesn't work anymore. And if they're, they're trying to still play it but uh we, we just need we know who we are we as you say grow a spine be confident in who you are and carry on with the program if you know your soul don't care what people say about you. <laughs> exactly exactly senator uh i appreciate you joining us this afternoon uh if it's uh, all right with you we'd love to have you back on as this uh, bill progresses <laughs> through the senate and then gets over to the house but thank you for your work that you do yeah. and uh thank you for informing the uh, listeners of eastern north carolina you are more than welcome delighted to be with you thank you for what you're doing you're doing a service to, uh, to eastern north carolina and uh, hopefully broadly across the, the state and uh thanks for having me on you bet thanks thank you lot. senator Senator Paul Newton, and uh, he's the co-chair of the Senate Elections Committee.